I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Trade Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, Front Center, Indeed, and Bet Online. I am your host, Nathan Powell, and week seven, folks, uh, it's been in the show title the last two weeks, but week seven, it's officially in the books. All the commissioners who wrote similar COVID rules to me, we can take a big exhale knowing that we have our rules set up that if the season ends, we're basically covered the rest of the way. But uh, this evening, I am missing my 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 compadre, uh, Dan Sanio, uh, as, as one knows. He has about 18 kids, and sometimes those cause you to miss podcasts. So uh, we have in Dan's place, we have the host of Sports Overnight America, XM87, the Dan Patrick Channel. I'm not sure we've ever had a serious X- – I guess we've had Scott, and he, he has an XM show as well. So uh, you join the the uh, ranks as XM host at Abound the Tradecast, including Scott. Well, I appreciate that, Nathan. Uh, it's Ron McLeese at Mad Dog FF. You can follow me on Twitter. But, yeah, we want to give a shout-out to Lou Landers at Landers Talks um, on Twitter. Uh, Lou and I have been doing that show for almost uh, going on two, two and a half years now. So it seems like a long time, but uh, we do get a – Get a chance to talk some DFS on there, uh, a lot of betting lines, stuff like that. Not as fantasy driven as I'd like it to be, but it, you know, for what it's worth, uh, we do talk some of that too. So uh, we'll sprinkle in some Major League Baseball um, when it's relevant this time of year too. So, but hey, thanks for having hey, me hey, on. Hey, hey, everybody knows with the Rays in the World Series, at least for the next like 24 hours, you can talk all the World Series you want. I, I might not want to talk about it after tomorrow though. <laughs> <laughs> That's might- true. And by the time everyone's listening to this, you know, we're either at Game 7 or Game 7's over. <laughs> so, anyways, right. go ahead. It's going to have a short shelf life, possibly. <laughs> so, either way, yeah, I'm with you there. But uh, I am rooting for your race, by the way. So, hopefully, they do pull a, pull through. But, anyway. All right. Let's get started with the football talk. Um, the first big item we have since the last time we recorded, we usually record on Monday or Tuesday nights. And the Antonio Brown news was broken in the middle of last week. And it, it was, you know, kind of rumor-based until Sunday when in the press conferences, uh, Bruce Arians said, okay, it's happening and that it's, you know, that, that it's basically a done deal. And so Antonio Brown will be back in week nine for the Tampa or not back, will be in uh, for Tampa Bay in week nine. Now, uh, Mike Evans hasn't had the best year of his career so far, some some low target numbers in comparison to where he's been before. That's because the Buccaneers have a lot of weapons, even with O.J. Howard out. They have Rob Gronkowski, who has been actually pretty decent in the last couple of weeks. And Scotty Miller has been a solid player as well. So this is a team that already was saturated with weapons, and they're adding another one. 
So I guess we'll start off with AB and we'll trickle down to the other parts. Where is Antonio Brown's dynasty value at right now? Um, in one league this offseason, I sold him for a dollar because I didn't want to roster him anymore. Uh, that's looking like a bad decision. But other than that, what, what are your thoughts? Where, where are you valuing Antonio Brown as a Buccaneer right now? I think uh, sell, 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 Nathan. That, that would kind of be the way I would perceive his value. I think right now is a perfect time to kind of uh, – you know, there's going to be those owners out there that are going to be a maybe in need of a wide receiver, and b uh, the allure of having Antonio Brown. You know, now Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers with Brady slinging the football. My concern would be how many targets are there going to be to go around? You know, you brought up Mike Evans. Obviously, he hasn't lived up to these lofty owner expectations. Um, that's been you know you know, a bad thing for his owners. But at the same time, does this really help that situation? Again, in the personnel that they run, more often than not, you're on, they're, they're not going to go three wide receivers in that set, that formation. So, you know, do they kind of change this offense? So I guess from the dynasty perspective for me, again, I think, you know, if I can get like a future second round pick for this guy and I'm sitting on him, I would take that and run with it. Um, if I can get a player or a couple players that actually can help me and can be viable every week starters that have already kind of proven themselves. I think I would go that route. So I don't know. Is, is that too high or too low in your opinion? You know, a future second round pick. Well, I, I think that's, the, that's where, that's where the value is at right now. I don't see anyone trading a first form right now and I don't see anybody trading him away for just the third rounder. So it's likely that a second rounder, possibly like a second rounder and a small piece on top of that, is what would need to get done. I'm not going out and actively shopping him. I'm be shopping for him because I I don't see the volume going to him. I I, I think that he, it's one of those things that Antonio Brown is going to make the Bucks a better football team when he's on the football field. He's not going to make he's not going to make himself really that much of a fantasy asset, at least from what I can see. Um, I think it, if anything, it produces a buying opportunity for Mike Evans. I saw, saw some people say that Mike Evans is droppable in redraft. I was like, what is going on? That's just not even a good, a good take. Um, and then Chris Godwin, I don't think anyone is down. I, I think people are downgrading um, Miller and Evans. People aren't really downgrading uh, Godwin, but if they were, I would, t- I would capitalize on it. Yeah, most definitely. I think I would definitely pounce. I mean, I mean in maybe both situations. I mean, you have to think that – Evans has to get better, but I don't know. You you probably have your ear to the ground a little closer to that situation as far as his, his injuries and how maybe they're downplaying those. Maybe that's got to be you know playing into his play on the field. I would think, but uh, yeah, I mean, well, if you well, could definitely. Arian said Arian said in this quote that the reason why they brought Antonio Brown is that they played a game this year without Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They were both hurt and. He doesn't ever want to go out on, in a game with Scotty Miller being his wide receiver one, which is a good reason. And the fact that, you know, Antonio Brown's free. But I, I do think that it, that quote in itself says that Brown might be more of an insurance policy than a wide receiver one. Not that anyone's saying he's a wide receiver one in Tampa. And that, that would make a lot of sense. I think that's probably that's very reasonable to think that, yeah, why not? Uh, I mean, if you can bring in somebody with the resume of A.B., and he's not a cancer to the team. He doesn't create issues, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully he doesn't. Uh, he can definitely be viable. And I think, you know, from the fantasy perspective, Dynasty, are you really going to get return from him early on? I would say it's more like a 
you know, week 12, week 13, to your point, later in the season maybe when he's uh, integrated a little bit more into the offense and more comfortable running, you know, knowing the playbook and everything like that. So I think, again, he's a guy that you're going to have to sit on even if you do invest in, and he's not going to give you immediate returns. So don't expect that. Another player who won't be giving any immediate returns in the near future is Odell Jr. He is out for the season with a torn ACL. A bit of a frustrating season for him because of the Browns have been good. And Beckham had the one big game. But outside of that, he's been pretty quiet outside of the Dallas game. And that's because the Browns have been a run-heavy offense. And even outside of that, Baker's been having more success throwing to other receivers. Now, I'm an Odo Beckham fan. I have him in way too many leagues. (laughs) But both him and Baker, I'm still teetering on, like, I don't know if – Baker can ever be what we thought he could be. I don't know if Antonio, I mean, if uh, Odell Beckham Jr. can ever be where he was towards his, at the end of the Giants. So, do you think this is a sell while there's still value opportunity with Beckham, or is it a buyer opportunity now that he's injured? You know, it's funny that you bring up his name. I mean, obviously, it's a big, big thing, breaking news. Um, it stinks because I think that Odell Beckham's really never going to reach that that level, that lofty expectation, or get back to that level. Um, obviously, he is older now. I think personally, for me, if I have Odell Beckham where I do own him, I'm holding him. I don't think that this is a time where you can sell him and get anything. I mean, I was just offered to trade today. You know, to give you a long answer here, um, for my Keenan Allen, I was sent uh, offered Odell Beckham and a second round pick next year. So that's kind of what I was offered, and right now I'm kind of thinking about it. But, you know, again, if I'm rebuilding, that's probably not a terrible offer. Having said that, again, you know, if you're contending, maybe you could can try to sell him and package him and get a player like a Keenan Allen, you know, for your stretch run. So, again, maybe I, I'm jumping on both sides of the fence here, Nathan, but I think it depends on your situation with your team whether or not you're selling or buying. But again, what you're going to get back for Odell Beckham right now, it's not going to be close to what you could have gotten a week ago, obviously, with the injury news. Again, there are some of those owners that may pay a little bit more for him because they, they're a big fan of him, like you, Nathan. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think, again, holding tight would be the best thing to do right now. And, you know, buying. If you can buy and you're rebuilding, uh, why not invest in him? If you're in the middle of a rebuild, if you can get him at a reduced cost. For sure, yeah. And I had someone ask me if they, if, if they should trade two firsts for Beckham. And I told them, you shouldn't really have to pay that anymore. Like, it should be a first and a, and a small piece on top. It shouldn't cost two firsts for Beckham coming off of an injury with still, like, he hasn't really shown in Cleveland he can be a wide receiver one, which is incredibly frustrating because I thought that was a perfect situation for him. But, you know, we'll see if he's even back with the Browns after this injury, if they try and trade him or release him on, on that contract. So we'll see how his future plays out. But if anything, I'm buying, but not any, any sort of a premium. And, and real quick, is that more of an indictment on Baker Mayfield than it is Odell Beckham Jr.? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm starting to yeah, feel that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's more of an indictment. On, I mean, I still like both players from a top perspective. It just seems like it doesn't fit. Whatever is happening isn't fitting because Baker had a huge day once back. I know it's very anecdotal. I know it was against the Cincinnati Bengals. But players who look bad don't magically get better when they lose their wide receiver one unless there's just something wrong with the fit between Baker Mayfield and Odo Beckham. 
Yeah, and that's fair. I, I think that this game will go out down as the outlier this year for Baker Mayfield. I think, unfortunately, I think his, his you know, what was it, five touchdowns are going to be on the bench and a lot of, unless you're in like two QB super flex formats, you probably didn't start him. I know I had one league where I started Wentz over him and I had ended up losing by two points and that was like the difference. But go figure the week that he blows up, he's probably on your bench unless you're playing in those formats. And let's move west to the Arizona Cardinals. Kenyon Drake has been hobbled throughout the season. Now it looks like he's going to miss a few weeks. Chase Edmonds has been solid uh, in his in his place. And now it looks like he's going to get some RB1 looks. Uh, I, I talked about how you know Edmonds was one of the better like zero RB type candidates because that Cardinals offense is conducive to points. And Drake hasn't been capitalizing on those points himself. Do you think Edmonds is going to do that in his place? I think so. I mean, this is a guy that was averaging, what, six point over six yards of carry um, in limited touches. Yes, he's never going to be like that workhorse 20, you know, 18, 20 carry a game back. I think that they, you have to use Chase kind of, you know, in tandem with another running back like they have been doing with Kenyon Drake. Um, what you mentioned is just, you know, the lack of those break breakaway uh, you know big big runs from drake i mean we saw one last week and then the unfortunate injury struck you know on yesterday so again i think with 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 chase edmonds you just i think you should temper your expectations a little bit because you know he's just not the type of back that's capable to handle a full workload now that's perfectly fine if he's getting the targets he's getting you know he's still a, a guy that's gonna be a high-end RB2 and might have some weeks where he flirts with low-end RB1 status. So, again, yeah, I think he's his value right now can't get any higher than it is right now. In a dynasty, I would probably personally be selling right now just because I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go crazy to get him on their team. Yeah, in the last four weeks, five targets, five targets, one target, seven targets, and that's with Drake playing during those games, I think. Um, and so I, I see that those targets are either going to go up or stay stable or in that five to seven range. And anytime you can get that amount of targets for a, a, a player that's still going to get some carries with Drake out, Edmonds is like a mid RB2, high end RB2, uh, you know, until Drake's back at least. But I will say that someone asked me, like, would I rather have Edmonds or a 2022 first? And I often struggle valuing firsts that are two years away, but. I think I'd take the first there because I, I think a lot has to happen in order for you to say in four weeks that Edmonds is worth more than a first. Yeah, I'd 100% agree with you. And I, I think even if I was either side of the fence, I think I would take that that 2022 uh, first for Edmonds right now. I mean, but you have to think, too, There's what's the depth behind him? It, it's pretty much nothing. And Eno Benjamin, the rookie from Arizona State, he's going to definitely get some run now. And I think they had – um, DJ Foster was activated from their practice squad. So it's not anyone that had any household names. I mean, Eno is a favorite of a lot of people out there in the dynasty community that still have hope in this guy. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, it, it's Chase's backfield. Um, can he stay healthy, though? I think, too, Nathan, is the big question mark that's kind of been plagued him throughout his careers, staying on the field. Because make no mistake, I mean, we all know when he's been on the field, he's been dang good, you know? Yeah, for sure. And- Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, I guess let, let's talk about Drake for a second, though, because he is hasn't lived up to expectations and he's been injured. 
Now, I I don't think he's as bad as he's been in twenty in twenty twenty, but it's not like running backs don't really get multiple chances these days. And Drake, I believe, is on a one year deal. And we've talked about over and over and over the free agency class of running backs is absolutely stacked. So I honestly don't see a way between the free agency class and the rookie class that Drake gets an RB1 job after this year. Does he have a little bit of C.J. Anderson to his vibe? I, I know he's not as old as C.J. was when when he you know, left the Broncos, but we always thought C.J. Anderson would get another gig and this guy would you know, catch on somewhere. I think with Kenyon Drake, you, know, you bring up a great point. He is 26, but he's soon to be 27, Nathan, January uh, 26th, you know, right after the new year. So, you know, you bring up all these running backs, free agent running backs. Yeah, this I don't, I don't remember, you know, there's a reason why it keeps being brought up because they are that good and there's going to be that many of them available. So, again, this is a guy that's probably, to your point, he's running out of time to be, you know, the true lead back. And I think those days uh, – Unfortunately, you know, with this contract, and we'll see how he can come back from this injury. Um, if he gets back on the field, maybe he can, re, you know, bring back some of that, uh, reincarnate some of that value um, late in the season for this team. Um, hopefully he does that for his dynasty owners. But if not, yeah, he's definitely a guy now. And I was saying this to myself, Nathan, today, where I do own him. I was so upset that I didn't try and – chop him last week after the big game he had and that one big run that he had that kind of gave a little bit of hope to his value and now it's like wow uh, you missed the, the window just got slammed shut yeah and that can certainly happen that's one of the dangers with a veteran that if there's a window that opens it can close just as quick as it was opened and that's what happened with Kenyon Drake now let's go to a man who uh, has no window open. and I, I don't think there's been a window open this whole season. That's Michael Thomas. Uh, between injuries and his off-the-field antics, there have been some comparisons to an um, Antonio Brown 2.0 from Michael Thomas, even a couple years earlier. Uh, he does have the uh, long-term contract, which makes him incredibly difficult to deal if the Saints wanted to get him out of the, you know, out of the fold. I don't see them happen, doing that without you know, eating the money. The Odell Beckham, when he was straight up with the Giants, the Giants ate a bunch of money. That kind of deal doesn't happen often, but it could happen if if this you know toxic tight locker room stuff continues with Michael Thomas. Now, I'm not sure how much that directly relates to his dynasty value. Some people say, "Oh, well, Michael Thomas, he's the slant guy. He's only good because of Breeze." Da da da. Michael Thomas is still one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. I think that his off the field stuff, combined with his age are two of the more important concerns. So is Michael Thomas still a, you know, top six, top seven overall dice pick for you? Or are you waning and maybe lowering him a little bit? I think for my money, he's still up there in the top six, top seven. I mean, this guy, I mean, really the only question marks, well, yes, I mean, this has been, you know, a very frustrating season to own Michael Thomas. I mean, he hasn't played since week one, the hamstring injury, the, the off the field issues, uh, with his teammates and all that stuff. And, you know, it's it's kind of snowballed into where we are right now. And, again, I think that that's this is a time where you can kind of swoop in and, and kind of take advantage of, of all that negative publicity that he's been getting. I think you can buy him now cheaper 
you know, again, a disgruntled Michael Thomas owner that's competing is out there. There's there's got to be a lot of them. I know I, I'm myself in one in a few situations. So, you know, have I thought about selling him? Yes, it's crossed my mind. And I think that, again, he still holds that value. Uh, you know, you brought up his age. I think, again, the, the situation in New Orleans, maybe not knowing, maybe, Nathan, it might be better for him knowing that Breeze's shelf life there New Orleans is, is, is he's towards the end here. It may be him getting traded, but like you said, I don't think that's going to happen either. If he got traded to a better situation, um, potentially with more long-term stability, that would that would be nice. But yeah, for me, why not throw an offer out there? I think he is a buy, uh, buy low if you can right now. Uh, definitely think if you own him, you, you should be holding steady, holding tight, uh, unless you get an offer that you you know you can't resist. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I haven't honestly done it because I that when I have a player's value who's tanking, I don't often go and try and find how much it's tanked. Like, theoretically, I could take Michael Thomas and try and get A.J. Brown or, like, D.J. Chark Plus or something like that. But I'd rather just see Michael Thomas back on the field, have him have a big game, and then try to get A.J. Brown from him. Because I, I, the A.J. Brown owner currently has no incentive to trade him away for Michael Thomas, whereas he might after he scores 35 points in the game. That's but. that's the thing. Everything changes so rapidly in Dynasty. We know that, and, and it's kind of like a week-to-week basis where, uh, you know, you just need that one big game. Like you said, you could capitalize off that, and, you know, you, you could make that uh, worth – you know, its value is going to go up. It, it's got to go up from here. Michael Thomas, his value is going to go up, and your value will go up when you get involved with Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. That's right, 3 million. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. F-A-S-T, fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, so we uh, we got our veteran talk out of the way. Now it's time to dive in, into some rookie talk. Had some big rookie performances this week. Big performance so far this year. And we'll start off with probably probably the guy who has had his value rise. Uh, he's the guy who's validated his value and increased it the most. It's Justin Herbert. He has been absolutely lights out. Had it, probably the biggest game of his career. He did have his first career win. Uh What's his face? Uh, the Chargers coach kept on saying, well, uh, Herbert played well, but, you know, we lost the game, so does it really matter? Like, yes, it matters. And that's why you benched Tyrod Taylor, because you get a quarterback in Herbert who had 347 uh, passing yards, three touchdowns. Six, this is the first time we've seen Herbert on the ground um, this this 
season. You know, obviously we saw it in college, but he hasn't he hadn't gone over 20 rushing yards so far this year. But 66 on the ground uh, this past week with a touchdown. I, I guess um, we can hit on two things here, but we'll start off the more, with the more fun thing. I traded you, uh, Justin Herbert, in a league uh, recently, uh, in a in a uh, league where you needed quarterback help, and I have Russell Wilson. Uh, I traded you Justin Herbert for Brees Hall, Iowa State running back. Now Brees Hall has looked good since our trade, but Herbert has as well. So, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that trade as of now? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for helping me out in my situation because yes, I was a, a DAC owner. You know, I had a lot of tears. You know, that week and that weekend and dealing with the the loss of DAC. So. Uh, I needed something fresh and new, and, and you know, insert rookie Justin Herbert into that equation. And I think, as far as our trade, I, I think it's very even because again, this is a Debbie league, and um, it is running backs heavy with the scoring. So I think when Brees Hall is going to be good, when when he, you just have to wait two years. And that was the one thing was I'm a little impatient. I needed a quarterback. I felt like I could still compete. I looked at your roster. You were a great trade uh, partner because uh, I saw the depth you had at quarterback. And then at the same time, knowing uh, I know you like your Debbie players and as much as anybody out there. So I uh, get Brees Hall. I get to see a lot of him uh, in, in running at Iowa State. Uh, I've watched a lot. I'm pretty excited about owning him. A few other Debbie leagues where I have him. If it was my only Debbie share of Brees Hall, it would have made it a lot more difficult. But again, Justin Herbert. You know, seven touchdowns the last two weeks. Um, no, he's not going to run for 66 yards every week on nine carries. Um, that's probably going to go down as the outlier this year for his, you know, highest rushing output. But having said that, uh, he's looked damn good out there. And I think everything we were seeing from him, he's legit. Um, and, and then again, the situation, obviously we have to talk about, you know, the running back situation with uh, these running backs just biting the dust from Eckler on. Um, Justin Jackson has been injured a lot too. So, you know, he might have to take on some of that rushing uh, output, you know, but we know what he can do with his arm. And I think the thing I've most been impressed with, I think, in a lot of people out there, just as Moxie, the way he carries himself on the field, uh, you kind of saw from Dak, you know, bringing Dak up his rookie year uh, with Dallas. I mean, he just in the huddle, he he earned their, his teammates respect. But they also, you know, you could see that, you know, this is a guy that they, they trust in and they know he, they, they can lead them. Uh, to victory, he needed that win that you brought up. They needed to, to he needed to get that out of the way. I think now that he's gotten that first victory out of the way, I think there's going to be a lot more wins ahead of him for in the in the future. But yeah, I think uh, all in around, I'm happy with the trade. I think uh, you know Hall's a great piece to have too. Um, but again, it it is a single quarterback league. So having said that, you know, how do you feel about the trade? Uh, I. It was one of those things that I saw myself giving up the points this year, but I also knew that I had Russell Wilson. So, um, But just to, to focus on Herbert a little bit more, I think one of the more difficult things with Herbert is that I still like Tua more. I still think Burrow is a little bit safer because like his value hasn't risen too much. I mean, I would say if we did like a rookie redraft that in a super flex like Burrow, Herbert would end up going like 104, 105. And really, he in most leagues, he was going like the 109 to 112 range. But... In terms of Herbert, I, I think that by week 12, week 13, we'll have all three of those guys, Tua, Burrow, Herbert, as like top six, top seven dynasty quarterbacks. And that's with like the top of the quarterbacks is, is still pretty nice, but they are getting a little bit older. Yeah, I mean, this quarterback class, I mean, it was touted for, and for good reason. It was touted. Uh, there's going to be those debates, I think, that again, I would agree with you. 
Um, it's not like Herbert's been great, but he hasn't passed Burrow yet. And then now we have the news that Tua is now taking over uh, in, in South Beach, which, which I'm sure Fitzpatrick is not happy about. He's made that clear. But at the end of the day, I, again, it's going to be exciting to watch him, you know, and watch this whole rookie quarterback class. You know, how are they going to look two or three years from now um, in their maturation process here at the NFL? But I think, again, for these guys to be able to come in um, as a rookie or as rookies and start and have this much success, uh, again, it says a lot about this class and the depth uh, at that quarterback position and why we saw uh, so many go in the first round. And again, Tua, Tua being one that we haven't even got to see, you know, out there really, you know, start his first game here in week eight, right? Yep, for sure. All right, let's move on to another rookie, uh, James Robinson. I am ever wary of undrafted free agent running backs. I pretty much think that they're more, more so, you know, uh, a, a short, quick thing that teams don't tend to invest in those undrafted rookie running backs. Uh, James Robinson was given the role after the, after uh, Leonard Fournette was cut, and he's done quite a bit with it. Um, had the biggest game of his career so far with 119 and a touch, as well as 18 receiving yards and a touch as well through the air, 31.7 fantasy points. But he's been at 10 or high, 10 fantasy points or higher each each week so far of the first seven weeks of the season. And really, the discussion around him is, is this role going to be there for him in 2021? Do you think that he's earned a shot to compete for that RB1 spot? Do you think he has it locked up? Where, what are your thoughts on Robinson and his 2021 role? Because we know, we know that his 2020 role is RB1, RB you know workhorse. But is that a long-term solution for Jacksonville? In the short term, it's a, it's a solution. I, I don't think that it's a long. He's a long term solution for this team. Um, you know, there's not been a lot. You're right. I mean, the undrafted free agent uh, running backs. You know, you think back. Arian Foster probably one of the best ones that uh, to name. You know, over the last couple decades, and he was a really good one. Uh, Alfred Morris, yeah, he burst onto the scene. Didn't have the the pass catching chops that that James Robinson did does. And I think that's what really stands out about James Robinson is really how good he is in pass protection, which has earned him, you know, the, the job early and kind of made Leonard Fournette ex- expendable. So to that, I think this coaching staff really does believe in Robinson, but I don't know that they truly believe in him in him long-term. I think, again, this is my take. I think that they end up drafting a guy like Najee Harris um, or somebody that drops to them in the second round. So I think there will be another running back for him to compete with next year. That's not to say that he won't beat that, you know, player B or running back B out uh, that they draft. But at the same time, he'll have competition. So, uh, again, if I was, you know, in a situation where I've sold him in a few situations, I think that if you can't sell high right now, might be a good idea. I kind of tend to agree with you, Nathan, that, uh, you know, his value, I don't know if it's going to get any higher than it is right now. Uh, I I agree as well. But I have found myself biting, you know, my, I mean, you know, kicking myself saying I, sh- I sold a little bit too early. Should have, you know, milked that production a little bit more. Now, another productive rookie running back is Antonio Gibson. He's starting to see more of the role that we thought he was going to see early in the season. You know, he's been there RB1 the entire time, but that, that role is just evolving for him. He's getting some more of the receiving down work and he's just been a, a you know, more integral part of the offense, the biggest game of his career uh, this past week. Uh, so 
I think Gibson does have more of a long-term role. I do think that they might end up drafting or bringing in for one of this one of this long list of free agents as an RB two to you know play or compete with them. But so with Gibson, I think this is probably the most you know uh, most t- targets, most carries that he'll ever get, most touches he'll ever get. But I also still think he'll be, be productive with a one A one B situation. I agree with all your points there, and I think that. Uh, the biggest point here being is that he did this against the Dallas Cowboys defense, you know, which we know is 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 like Swiss cheese. It has so many holes. Um, so yes, we have to. I mean, his value meter was going up, but you know, he he got those twenty carries again. It's what he does in, in the passing game. I think that's going to make him a viable option moving forward. And I think the thing about him is there is some draft capital there with a third round pick, sixty uh, six overall by the Washington football team, taking him there in the third round. And then not knowing really what they have in this guy, because what position did he play in Memphis? I mean, he was all over the running back, wide receiver, you know, slash kind of like that Randall Cobb feel to him. But he's definitely a running back at the next level. That's where he's at now. Um, Again, it's more of how much uh, volume can can he handle. Um, But again, I think you nailed it, Nathan. It's about pairing him again with another free agent running back, or drafting one, you know, maybe again taking another shot in, in the late second or, or early third, I mean, um, next year to pair with Gibson. But he's definitely a guy that I was buying before this Cowboys game, and now I would still be buying Gibson. It's just a matter of you're buying him right now after the biggest game of the season. So you just expect that price increase um, in the dynasty world. It, it's going to be a real thing for Gibson. Mm-hmm. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. And next, we will talk about one Mr. T. Higgins. This is the second week in a row that we've brought up T. Higgins. And he just continues to be a productive wide receiver in this pass-heavy Bengals offense. Uh, We talked about him last week, basically saying that we didn't really expect much because of how much depth they have in Cincinnati at wide receiver. Probably expect to see a little bit more from Auden Tate and a little bit more from John Ross, but that really hasn't been the case. So it's mostly been T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and A.J. Green. So it looks like Higgins is here to stay. back-to-back weeks with 18 PPR points. So what, what are your thoughts on Higgins? Is is he creeping up from that, like, top 15, top 16 dynasty wide receivers? Is that a little premature? What are your thoughts on him? I don't know if I, I put him in the top 15 right now. I think that he's definitely creeping into, say, that top 20-ish, 25, definitely uh, conversation. Um, I'm just a little upset that I, I don't have as, as much T. Higgins out there in my, in my dynasty rosters. But, again, it's – I think everything that you just said is basically the way a lot of people perceive that situation kind of uh, falling out. And that it was like, there's too many mouths to feed here. Well, obviously uh, Joe Burrow can handle that. 
Um, and these guys are all getting targets, and we know A.J. Green's not going to be in Cincinnati forever, so he's irrelevant as far as the value of T. Higgins. He's T. Higgins has shown and proved that he, he is the number one guy um, after Tyler Boyd, and really he can make those big plays, I think, more so than Tyler Boyd. So you got to be excited if you own him. He's only 21 years old. Um, doesn't turn 22 until January. So um, in the dynasty world, yes, this is a fast riser and one that I think if you can still buy him now, I would be scooping him up. But, yeah, the fact that you've been talking about him consecutive weeks, that should say everything about T. Higgins and the way the dynasty community views him right now as a hot player. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing with Higgins, and it's one of those things that you don't want to overthink landing spot. You don't want to overthink you know, the players that he's playing with. But it really was overthinking it to not want to target the number one wide receiver for the number one quarterback. Like, these two are just primed to be top players at their positions over the next several years. And and Higgins, it's, it's happening sooner than I expected with Higgins. Let's close out with a unexpected breakout of sorts. Uh, another suspected crowded room was the Browns' tight end room. Uh, you had, obviously, uh, David Njoku. They added Austin Hooper. And they added Harrison Bryant from FAU onto the roster. He was the tight end one in week seven, not counting Monday night with 23.6 fantasy points. Now, I I liked Harrison Bryant as a talent. I think that I, I always like when a player goes a little bit higher in the draft than you expected. Didn't expect him to be an early day three pick. I expected him more to be, you know, a fifth, sixth round guy. But fourth round pick on day three. And I would have liked him more if he wasn't in Cleveland and nothing to do with Baker, nothing to do with the run defense, more to do with like, is he beating out Njoku? Is he beating out Hooper? Well, Hooper had, had appendicitis, had an appendectomy and Njoku's been really, you know, limited to slash nowhere to be seen. So I, I think that Harrison Bryant could carve his way to being the tight end one from a receiving perspective sooner rather than later. You know, this is a guy that I think a lot of the issues, uh, again, the narrative, I mean, coming from a small school, I, I don't think he's got as m- much um, exposure out there. But I, I was fortunate enough to see this guy up close and personal at Senior Bowl down in Mobile. And uh, as far as a tight end class there, he blew me away. I thought this guy on the field was just making plays, um, got a little George Kittle to his game. And, you know, Kittle, again, wasn't a big name coming out. I mean, he exceeded expectations, I believe. And I think that, you know, for the tight end you know, as a rookie, we don't expect much from them. Um, it's like a three-year window, typically with these tight ends, before we really see them. Uh, and even O.J. Howard, we're still waiting for that with O.J. Howard. So um, injuries play into that. But Harrison Bryant, I think this is a, a great situation for him to be in. One, um, to be mentored by, you know, someone like Austin Hooper, who's been in the trenches, knows how the game needs to be played. So I think having him there is going to help him in this whole process and kind of uh, expedite his growth potential here uh, in Cleveland. So I think this was a really under the radar pick for them getting the, getting him in the fourth round and, and in your dynasty rookie drafts, you know, getting him him in your fourth round um, in your non tight end premium leagues. And then I saw him fall in in some of those premium uh, tight end premium rookie drafts also. So I think this is a guy that a lot of people just overlooked and, Maybe it was the small school uh, stigma or, or bias, you know? Yeah, for sure. And 
he could certainly be productive if the Hooper, uh, I'm not really sure how long appendix uh, removals uh, take from your game, but I, I think that for the near future, especially with Odell Beckham out, they're going to be leaning on Rashard Higgins and Harrison Bryant. Most definitely. And, you know, I, I kind of like him more than Njoku. And I think that Njoku also, you have that injury uh, history with him and then also the possibility he may get, you know, a couple games like this for Harry, for him, for Bryant. He may, you know, expedite Njoku getting traded and somebody else, some other team may come in there. And if that happens again, it, it may have nothing to do with, uh, with Hooper's, you know, health status at all. But just the simple fact that, like you said, they have three, Good tight ends here. They they could that's you know let one go. Let's hope because we've been hoping for an Njoku trade for about a year and a half now. Let's <laughs> wrap up today's show by telling you that football it's back. It's almost halfway over at this point, which is crazy. But you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season uh, opening bonuses today. Well, they, got their, they still have their season opening bonuses for you. Start off wagering on wins, division, and championship features all day or a day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Ron, it's been a uh, pleasure having you on this evening. Any last words before we skedaddle? Go Bears. Bear down. Uh, hopefully uh, they can uh, continue this winning streak here. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm excited about. But you mentioned the halfway mark. I mean, this is the time where, uh, you know, the contenders are separated from the pretenders or vice versa. So I think this is the now the time when it's uh, very important to, you know, get any of those players remaining off the wire uh, and also make smart trades. So I think that, again, uh, your show, definitely for all the listeners, is, is going to be a lot of help so far this season. And in the stretch run, uh, your listeners continue to get great content from you. So uh, keep pumping that stuff out, Nathan. I appreciate it. We appreciate you, Ron. You're welcome back anytime. We appreciate you coming on. I'll see you guys next week. Kadoo! had the biggest game of his career so far with 119 and a touch as well as 18 receiving yards and a touch as well through the air 31.7 fantasy points